Monday, July 31st, and boom, just like that, another month is pretty much in the rearview mirror. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show here on Damon Bruce Plus. It's great to have you. Cheers, everyone. Welcome. We are getting closer and closer to football season, which means now is the time to talk about it. Not a few months ago, not shoving it down your throat, but now is the appropriate time. And we got some spicy conversations happening around the NFL. We're going to get into those, but let me welcome you back. Good to see you once again. Thanks for being here. Thanks for choosing to support me and the show means an awful lot. Want to invite you to our first ever Plus Meetup. It's happening on Saturday, August 5th, which means this coming Saturday at Victory Hall, starting around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to be getting together, hopefully with you, having a little bit of fun together, watching some baseball, and all kind of hanging out. And finally getting to meet those of you who have not met each other. It's a beautiful little community we're building over here, and I I thank you very much for being a part of it. Um, look, pads are on in Santa Clara. What more do you need to know? We got football. Like that means things are officially happening, which means today is the day you got to start watching that injury news like a hawk. Any day of training camp where no one got injured was an outstanding day of training camp for pretty much all involved. Yesterday was an off day for Brock Purdy, which left all the quarterback snaps to Lance Darnold and Allen. And look, you know, everyone apparently had a good session. If I have to read another tweet about somebody's, you know, accuracy in a throwing session, I, I'm, I'm going to pull my eyes out. Maybe that's why it's called X now, because I'm just going to have X's over my eyes because I've gouged them out because I can't read any more training camp updates. And I'm not trying to bag on the media. They're just doing their jobs. I get it. But, oh, my God, it's it's a lot. Um, no injuries out of Santa Clara. Again, that's an outstanding start to camp. The one thing that I would like to see get done, like what would bring all the equilibrium to the 49ers training camp, as far as I could tell, just get Nick Bosa in there. Get Nick Bosa in there, get this deal done this week and put the issue to rest before it actually turns from a little bit of a non-issue into maybe there is an issue like what's going on. This should be a very easy deal to get done for goodness sakes. And let's face it, the if the 49ers are going to seriously do something this year, they need to become Voltron and Voltron cannot assemble without the red lion. And I'm going to say Nick Bosa is the red lion. I mean, he is as important a San Francisco 49ers you're going to find in that locker room. So get him back into the locker room. There is no doubt in my mind that he's going to be able to pick up where he left off. No body fat on the man. He is totally eat, sleep, dedicated to the sport of football. That is, that is not in question. The question I have is how do other 49ers feel about this guy, you know, being delayed by the process of paperwork and pencil pushing. He's too good for that. So get him in. Get him in, get him in, get him in. Um, NFL hard feelings, I love them. I mean, they're really manufactured hard feelings in the world um, of sports that, you know, they try to sell you to hype up a game, but they don't really exist in the first place. Well, all I can tell you is that hard feelings are actually bubbling to the surface between the Denver Broncos and New York Jets of all teams, of all non-rivalries for that to become a rivalry. I don't think anyone had that on their NFL coming season bingo card, but here we are. And what we got is a little coach-on-coach -coach crime, which then led to a quarterback defending a coach and every single person 
and everything they're saying is right. That's what kind of makes this one interesting. I want to start with Sean Payton, right? Sean Payton, he needs to get his Denver Broncos locker room back on Team Russ. Let's face it, Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook, not involved in this story. Russell Wilson had himself a terrible year last year. Was it all his fault? Was it partly his fault? Like what piece of the pie chart of blame really gets put on his lap? Well, one of the first things Sean Payton is trying to do as new head coach is to calm down not only his quarterback and any doubts that might have crept in, but the rest of the team, which you could feel sort of turning its back on Russell Wilson last year. And basically, Sean Payton has come out and said, Nathaniel Hackett was a disaster. The guy was an absolute disaster of a coach. He's gone through all the film now. He's seen it all. He's had his meetings. He's talked to everyone. Sean Payton is leveling the criticism thrown at the Denver Broncos right at their former head coach. And he's doing that for two reasons. Number one, to instill a little confidence in Mojo into a quarterback who might have lost some. Number two, to do the same thing to the rest of the locker room. And then I'll tack on the third reason here. There's really third reasons. There's a little self-serving message going on here from Sean Payton. In other words, everything here was so screwed up. I need more than just a year to turn it all around. This is going to take some time. This is bigger than just me coming in here and waving my magic wand. This team learned a lot of bad habits under a guy who didn't know what he was doing. And by the way, the Nathaniel Hackett didn't know what he was doing was not left to the discerning eye of the guy who grinds tape or the diehard football lifer who understands the games in ways that you and I never will be able to know. It was evident to anyone watching one of the first 10 football games of their life that the Denver Broncos were ill-prepared for just about every situation they were in. They were poorly coached last year. That is true. Sean Payton's got a little self-serving motivation here, but I think he's doing it more for his quarterback in his locker room than his own self-serving motivations. I really do believe that in Sean Payton. He's an OG. He's cut from the Bill Parcells cloth, man. So, you know, he's not out there trying to win popularity contests or trying to be friendly or, you know, buddy-buddy with the world now that he's out of the media world. And you could feel his time in the media world let him know that, oh, man, I'm creating my own headlines. And as a coach, you don't want distractions. And I'm kind of creating a distraction. So he walked it back a little bit, said that he had had his broadcaster's hat on and needs to what, be more of a coach now that's too bad sean because it was one of the more interesting things that's happened in football so far this year you don't see a lot of coach on coach crime and now we go to aaron Rodgers, who is working with nathaniel hackett once again the two of them were paired in green bay now the two of them are paired in new york as hackett has been named the offensive coordinator of the new york jets and aaron Rodgers is more than taking up buckets of water for his guy He's saying this is one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. And you got to keep my coach's name out of your mouth. And all the stuff that gets spicy and picked up. And I like it. You know, there's a lot of times when Aaron Rodgers flaps his gums for whatever look-at-me reasons. But this felt like pointed. He felt like he was actually angry at this. And if you're a Jets fan, I think you got to be excited about all that. You really do. You really do. Aaron Rodgers called Sean Payton insecure. 
and said, keep my coach's name out of your mouth. This is what sports needs. This is fantastic. By the way, we got ourselves Jets at the Broncos in week five. Yeah, make it spicy, baby. Make it spicy. I like that an awful lot. I really do. I like when guys go at each other and they're both guys of stature and real reputations and they don't hold back. I like it. It's good for business. It's good for the league. And meanwhile, can't you just feel how much more excited Aaron Rodgers is to be a New York Jet than he was in his last couple of years of being a Green Bay Packer? This guy is all in. Not only uh, has he got the owner's ear and the coach's ears, and he's got the media fawning all over every pass he makes in practice, saying, man, we haven't seen a quarterback sling it like this around here in a real long time. I mean, he's got everybody in New York feeling really good. And then this makes everyone in New York feel even better because he's defending members of his own tribe. Like, this is what gets people in teams and locker rooms and franchises motivated. It feels like Aaron Rodgers has bought back in to being a true leader of a football team and he's not on the fence of, you know, am I here in off-season workout programs and training camps? And I don't know. And, I, you know, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers was better known for yelling at rookies than defending teammates his last couple of years there with the Green Bay Packers. So this is just a sign that he is, he's in. And I got to tell you, it's sort of changing the way I'm feeling about the New York Jets. Because if Aaron Rodgers is officially operating from, I've got a real, not manufactured for Pat McAfee chip on my shoulder, but it's real. And he feels like he's getting the Tom Brady treatment. You know, I'm going to the Hall of Fame. The team that I'm on doesn't seem to appreciate who I am and what I've meant. So now here I am on a new team. And boy, they sure are appreciating me in ways that I didn't think the old team did. You can feel that coming out of Aaron Rodgers. So these are interesting times for the New York Jets. And the fact that Aaron is frosty and Sean Payton, again, here's the thing, man. If you really believe that about Hackett, and you should, and if Aaron Rodgers really believes what he believes about Hackett, and he should, then that means, if I can quote a, once great sports talk radio host in San Francisco, two things can be equally true. I'm sure Nathaniel Hackett is one of the best offensive coordinators and minds that Aaron Rodgers has ever worked with. He was also an unmitigated disaster as an NFL head coach. Some guys top out a coordinator. Sean Payton, not one of those guys. The fact that he comes out just starting to burn things down, you don't get that an awful lot. That's some coach-on-coach -coach crime. Now we got future Hall of Fame quarterback battling against one of the highest-paid coaches, and the two of them are going to meet up on week five. That's some good footballing right there. That's some good footballing right there. Everybody's getting frosty, and I like it. I like that an awful lot. Uh, what you know I also like and love are our sponsors here of the Plus. We certainly couldn't be doing it without them. Thanks to this handsome guy right there. That's Ike. 
That's his cardboard cutout. I'll even superimpose the logo right over him to let you know that there's two new sandwiches in the month of August that are being uh, offered up to members of Ike's Reward. You've got to sign up for that Ike's app, and uh, there are serious sandwiches coming your way. The first is called Arrow. They're saying it's the best pastrami sandwich Ike has ever made, and there's no other place in the world making pastrami sandwiches It's a sandwich shop with Wagyu pastrami. Um, It's called the Arrow Wagyu pastrami, purple slaw, pickle Havarti, Ike's new American dressing. No Russian dressing, American dressing. Uh, And there you go. No sandwich shop has ever had a sandwich quite like this. He's very excited about it. Now he's got another sandwich called Florian, which is a vegan bulgogi sandwich. He even texted me. He's like, Damon, I know when you do these reads, you don't really, you know, spend an awful lot of time talking about vegetarian sandwiches because you're not one. You got to try the sandwich. He's like, I guarantee you, you're going to like it. He's saying it's the best vegetarian sandwich ever created in the history of sandwiches. Guaranteed. Okay, it'd probably be better with just, you know, bulgogi beef, but whatever. I'm not here to argue. Both Arrow and Florian are available starting tomorrow. Um, $21, which means the, well, I don't believe the, the, the Damon Bruce is longer, any longer the most expensive sandwich on the menu. It would be a little bit of a blow to my ego, but my ego's taken such a beating over the last three months. There's, uh, I'm, I'm dead inside now. Nothing can hurt me. Um, but uh, there you go. It's available on the Sandwich app, Ike's Rewards members only. Go to the website and stores while supplies last. Two brand new sandwiches to go along with all the other delicious sandwiches. Now, let me tell you what I love about Uncle Boys. Uh, if you want a vegan offering there, you better get the French fries. You better get yourself the onion rings because they do burgers. They do them the right way in the inner rich. Get yourself to Uncle Boys for the next time you got a cheeseburger craving. Don't forget the lumpia. Remember, Damon told you, lumpia, lumpia, lumpia. Get some, and then, of course, wash it all down. And if you're joining us at uh, Palooza on Saturday, you get to try some blackened whiskey if you haven't tried it already. If you are around a BevMo, pick yourself up a bottle. You know you will like it. I know you will like it if you like whiskey because it's great whiskey at the right price point. Get yourself a bottle of blackened. So thanks so much to our sponsors. Everything going very, very well there. I'll tell you where things are not going well at all in Indianapolis. Oh my gosh. We got ourselves an owner and a running back apparently squaring up and off against each other. And all I can tell you is that Jim Irsay is a little bit eccentric, a little bit crazy, a little bit damaged, but a little bit very much a mouthpiece for NFL ownership. So when he says things that sound like it might be coming from more than one owner, not just him, There's a very good chance that those things are coming from more than one owner and not just him. Oh, by the way, I realized I didn't turn on my my beautiful lighting. There you go. Beautiful lighting. Now we got an illuminated Ike's armpit on the cardboard cutout. We got this little bad boy over here. Nice fireside glow. Nice. Very nice. Could be time for sip of the day. What do you think? Not bad. Not bad. 
So Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the NFL. You know that. I know that. We all know that. And he is not happy with running back pay. A lot of running backs feel that way. As a matter of fact, there was just a big group, position group, running back conference call where running backs were like talking about going on strike or, you know, something that's never going to actually happen. But basically you had a little bit of a running back festivus, feats of strengths and airing of grievances, and they have a legitimate gripe. They're playing a position which every single team in football has decided the supply and demand necessitates very careful spending at that position. Um, Jonathan Taylor, you would think, is you know one of those exceptions to the rules. Well, Unfortunately for Jonathan Taylor, it's not the rules that are setting the market. It's the market that sets the market. And it's not the exception to the rules that are benefiting from this new running back market, which undervalues the position from a paycheck standpoint. So basically, uh, he wants an extension. Jonathan Taylor does. He's certainly worthy of one. Um He's an unrestricted free agent next year, so the Colts are, like most teams in football, probably just thinking, all right, if we're going forward, we'll do so on a franchise tag. And running backs hate that. Players hate to be franchise tagged. Anyways, um, before we continue, the other really good piece of advice I've had in my career is keep your own counsel, meaning you don't need to tell everyone what you're thinking all the time. Like keeping some information private is a very good thing. And let's face it, discretion is an art form that is lost on a newer generation. Generation TikTok wants to put everything out on Front Street, let everyone know about it. In the name of transparency, they're giving up valuable positions of negotiation because they've come out publicly. And anyways, keeping your own counsel is some really good advice. I would suggest everyone take it. You do not need to let everyone know everything about you, especially business negotiations. So Jonathan Taylor is letting everyone know his feelings on Twitter. All running back echo chambers are retweeting and congratulating him for this stance of being angry. And essentially, Jim Ursay comes out and says, and I quote, We have negotiated an agreement that took years of effort and hard work to com compromise in good faith by both sides to say now that a specific player category wants another renegotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. <clears throat> One of those agents is Jonathan Taylor's agent, a guy named Malkai Kewa. And if I were Jonathan Taylor, I would be firing Malkai Kewa today because he goes on to quote tweet or X tweet, quote X, X. What are we doing now with tweets? Are we still just calling them tweets? I'm, I'm good with that. Um, Anyways, he says, bad faith is not paying your top offensive player. He quote tweeted Jim Irsay with that. If my agent ever took to the public hard feelings 
about an embittered negotiation, I would fire my agent immediately. What are you doing? Are you Mickey Mouse? Did you just get here today? This is kid shit. Seriously? Get yourself a lawyer who doesn't want to be famous, folks. Get yourself an agent who knows how to keep negotiations in the office, not out in the public space. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Now, even if he's right, it's still inappropriate. And for Jim Ursay to come out and be like, this is inappropriate. And you know what? Based on the fact that this is an agreed to collective bargaining agreement, he's right. You might not like that, but he's right. Man. So, all right. So can the situation get worse? Oh, yeah. The situation can absolutely get worse. So Jonathan Taylor, not happy with how this is playing out, goes and has himself a meeting with Jim Ursay. <clears throat> I believe Jim Ursay came out of that meeting basically saying, you know, I could die tomorrow and Jonathan Taylor could disappear and the league goes on. We should all be appreciative of, of where we are in this league. Which means, so that conversation probably didn't go very well. Jonathan Taylor comes out saying, that meeting didn't go very well. And then the next thing you know, there is an injury identified on Jonathan Taylor, which has the Colts mulling whether or not to put him on the pup list or incapable of playing, which would open up an avenue to possibly not paying him this year. If Jonathan Taylor is going to play the whole, I'm holding out, I'm not playing, and he has officially demanded a trade, but that's not going very well. So to say that that is an awkward situation brewing in Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor talks to Ursay himself. Now there's talks of him not getting paid because he gets put on a you-don't-get-paid list. Nice job, Team Taylor. Seriously, if, if you are Jonathan Taylor, you should be looking for a new agent today because this one has muddied up the waters. Muddied up already murky waters. So that's, that's something else. And by the way, ESPN had the story this morning. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, who has requested a trade, reported back pain during his pre-training camp physical that was deemed to be from an injury that was not sustained while playing for Indianapolis. The situation is now the team considering whether to place Taylor on the non-football injury list, which could result in Indianapolis withholding his salary. That escalated quickly, did it not? Got to go full Ron Burgundy on that one. That escalated quickly. Who brought a trident? Brick, I didn't know you had a trident. Ah, ooh, that was more sip of the day worthy. It really was. So what a sticky, awkward, ugly situation seems to be brewing right there. Something to keep an eye on for real. Um, and like I said, football kids, it's around the corner. We got a hall of fame game on Thursday. 
Like real pads popping all over NFL training camps, and we get to put our eyes on our first preseason game. Jets and Browns in Canton for the Hall of Fame game. Hopefully the turf hasn't melted. Uh, there have been problems with that field in the past. Um, uh, the, 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 what, the rubber pellets that they use in their field turf melted a year or two ago when it was too hot or something. I, I was really weird. Everyone's melting these days. Um, except for us here in San Francisco, where it's always foggy and 73 degrees. The 49ers opener is in Las Vegas, another melting city. Uh, 49ers opener is in Las Vegas, their preseason opener, I should say, on August 13th, which officially puts the 49ers two weeks away from their official preseason start. So we're two weeks outside of watching a 49ers game. Again, preseason game, but game enough. I'm going to tell you that this year, post-game and Damon is coming back to you. Each and every single 49ers game will be immediately followed with a live post-game show from, if you don't mind me saying, the single greatest 49ers post-game host that has ever lived or breathed in the city of San Francisco. We're going to be doing it. We're going to be doing it on YouTube. We're going to be doing it uncensored, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to be hanging out every single Sunday, the Niners, well, every, every, every Niner game. As soon as that game is over, come to YouTube, and we're going to be at it. Hashtag new media, huh? Um, you can still measure it in a grand total of 24 hours, but I don't think you can measure it in 48-hour totals here because we got a baseball trade deadline 6 Eastern Tuesday. So tick-tock, tick-tock, we're getting closer and closer. 3 o'clock San Francisco time on Tuesday. You got to have a trade consummated if you're going to do something at the trade deadline for your baseball team. And uh, all I can tell you is, Farhan, we're waiting. We're waiting. Your clubhouse is certainly waiting for you to make them better. And you deserve to reward a clubhouse which is overachieved with a move doesn't have to be the biggest move as a matter of fact all the moves that might constitute the, the the qualification that you need to have biggest move they're kind of going off the table and off the table quickly so we know that farhan slow plays everything when it comes to player acquisition either in free agency or at the trade deadline let's see if he does anything in the next day the Texas Rangers, meanwhile, Bruce Bochy, welcome back to Major League Baseball, Boach. You're playing for a team that's just officially not screwing around. The Texas Rangers send prospects, one of them a highly touted prospect, Acuna's brother, by the way, um, uh, to the Mets for Max Scherzer. They weren't done there. They also trade for former St. Louis Cardinals starter Jordan Montgomery. The Texas Rangers started to empty out their farm systems, top prospects, to bolster a pitching staff, and we all know what Bruce Bochy does with those in October. So look out for the Rangers. They're officially coming. The Cardinals are kind of blowing it up. They've moved Jordan Hicks to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, there has been a rumor that Nolan Arenado might be on the block. Well, apparently... 
John Moselak of the Cardinals has said Arenado's not getting traded. There was an awful lot of buzz of Arenado maybe showing up in a Dodgers uniform. So Giants fans, you don't want that. That's not going to happen. There was a little bit of a rumor that Justin Verlander could possibly put on a Giants uniform. Well, as of this morning, the team that is most being linked to Justin Verlander is the Dodgers. Again, the Dodgers basically told, you're not going to be getting an Arenado. So instead of saying, oh, well, what do we, what, you know, that's that. They immediately turn and pivot and look at something else that could be a huge season-altering deadline deal. Again, is Verlander still that guy? He can be. At times, he is. Plus, Kate Upton. It's a strong ad. They're a package deal. Um, now, ESPN also writes about Verlander because this is not an easy deal to pull off based on money committed to him and how old he is, where he is in his career. ESPN says the prospect of pulling something off has seemed unlikely given the nature of Verlander's 2025 option, which automatically vests with 140 innings in 2024. In other words, you trade for Verlander today, he's on your team next year, and now you're playing with a level of that gets expensive because if he hits that number, the acquiring team would then be on the hook for somewhere in the neighborhood of $92 million for two-plus seasons of Verlander, who is going to be turning 41 in February. So no spring chicken, a million innings on that arm. Um, but boy, he's still Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander can look mortal at times. At other times, boy, he looks like he is still Justin Verlander. So we'll see if he is part of the exodus of the New York Mets plans on winning it all this year, if he ends up in L.A., or if San Francisco decides we're going to get a little bold here. And you know what? Justin Verlander pitching half of his starts at 24 Willie Mays Plaza makes Justin Verlander a pretty dangerous version of Justin Verlander. The Cubs have pulled back on Cody Bellinger. Uh, his name is now off the trading block. The Cubs got fat over the last couple of weeks, beating up on some bad teams. And I'm not saying that they're fooling themselves, but the Cubs are now no longer treating their team as, yeah, we're definitely going to be sellers. I don't know if they're going to be aggressive buyers here, but uh, Stroman is yet to be dealt. Hendricks doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And Cody Bellinger isn't going anywhere either. So we'll see if the Cubs are actually contending here or if they just got fat off some bad opponents to pull them above 500. And when it comes to being above 500, that's where the Giants are. That's where Farhan deserves to do a little something for them. The Giants are just lurking. They're waiting. You know, nothing dramatic has been promised. Probably won't happen. They could use a starter. They could use an outfielder. To me, their recent call-ups have been enough and are significant enough prospects of your own design to where... You know, you don't need now someone else to be that infielder. You you got him. You called him up. So another pitcher, another outfielder, that to me could be an awfully big help as the Giants are looking at what they want to do, what they want to be this year. They're 10 games over 500. Again, their top prospects have been greenlit for major league play. The team is officially overachieving. And Farhan deserves to throw that clubhouse a little bit of help.
Uh, team could sure use some help scoring runs. We've been right back to the realm of torture in terms of scoring runs for the Giants in the month of July. The Giants have scored 80 runs, which is dead last in all Major League Baseball. Dead last in runs scored in a month. That's not good. That's not good, especially when an awful lot of this offense is being asked to be churned by a rookie class. They could use one more experienced hitter for sure. You know, you can't expect Wilmer Flores to continue to play the role of Superman and then still decide, yeah, we're not even going to play him all the time because we're married to analytics and lefty-righty combos more than just leaving a hot hitter with, you know, an OPS that is underneath Shohei Otani's for the month, and that's it. And you're still going to mess around with that guy's spot in the lineup? It's a little weird. It's a little weird, but it's, it's the new age of baseball. I guess I got to get used to it. Go get one more player, Farhan. Do it. Do it before 3 o'clock tomorrow. You'll be happy that you did. Giants fans will be happy that you did. Giants are four and run through five games of a homestand, which finishes with a vital four-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks starting tonight. It's Alex Cobb against Ryan Nelson. Look at what the Angels are doing. You know, the Angels probably aren't doing anything, uh, you know, no matter what. And they're getting real aggressive. You know, they're getting real aggressive. The Angels have done more to show Otani that they're going for it and he might want to stay than Farhan has done to show his clubhouse that he really believes in them. A little vote of confidence from the GM can go an awfully long way. Uh, I saw a stunning amount of video from from Levi Stadium this past weekend where Taylor Swift set up back-to-back -back nights and basically pulled in crowds like back-to-back -back playoff games. Uh, she's a monster when it comes to doing the business. Uh, boy, Taylor's got herself a loyal following, and Levi Stadium was packed for her shows. Uh, so if you made it down there, uh, hopefully you didn't have to spend six, seven grand getting in. Hopefully you had a good time. Hopefully it was worth it. Taylor's working her fanny off. Works hard. I saw, I've, I've seen some footage, man. She's out there working for it. You know, when you get to do something that you love for a living, that's it's a massive amount of success. That's all I've ever been able to do. Uh, something that I loved was broadcasting. And even though I was just told by a radio station, not here, not today, not no more, we're still doing it. And I still love it, even though it didn't necessarily love me back. But I love doing it. And so I certainly feel satisfied and gratified by all that. I can't even imagine how she feels. But you got to love what you do in life to really be happy in life. I love the fact that Plusers have been so supportive of this. Thank you all so very much. Um, we're going to get into Club Plus here in just a little bit. Uh, we start, though, with AJ Cruz, who says, Damon, several of us have settled on Plus Mania 1 for the first gathering. So it was said, so let it be written. 
Okay. There it is. The audience gets the deciding vote on that. And if you've decided it's not Plus Stock, it's not Plusa Palooza, but our first meetup at Victory Hall this Saturday, starting at three o'clock, when we're getting together to watch a little A's and Giants from over at the Coliseum, we're going to do it together in San Francisco. We're going to have some black and swag to give away, some whiskey to sip upon, hanging out with each other. Wife made stickers. We got stickers to give away. And we're all going to get together and have a little fun. Um, Plus Mania, one it is. Plus mania, baby. All right, AJ Cruz, it's settled. <laughs> I think we're going to have to have at Plus Mania 1 a moment of silence for Pee Wee Herman. And that's kind of where we end today's show, right? Not even an hour before we hopped on the air here today on YouTube, we learned that Paul Rubens who we didn't even know was sick, has been privately battling cancer for years now and dies at the age of 70. Man, I tell you, Pee Wee Herman was an awfully big part of my childhood. He was a big part of my childhood, but it started with me realizing that Pee Wee was originally created by Paul Rubens, not for kids, because my family, we, we were early adapters to HBO. My dad was in the cable business. And we had HBO in a cable box before, like, any other house on our block had one. And one of the things HBO used to really show was Pee Wee Herman's, I won't call it a one-man show, because Phil Hartman and some other members of, I believe that's where the Groundlings were founded, the comedy troupe in Los Angeles, but Jan Hooks was a part of it. Um, and uh, Pee Wee Herman was a very much for-adults comedy character when he was a comedian on the Sunset Strip. That obviously was co-opted to a wildly successful Saturday morning show, Pee Wee's Playhouse, that was turned into what several feature films, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Big Top Pee Wee. I think there's, is there another, there's a third Pee Wee out there? I was, I was out by the time the third one, I believe, rolled around. But uh, Pee Wee Herman was in old Cheech and Chong movies. You don't get a lot of kids' characters from old Cheech and Chong movies. So his career obviously pivoted from what he thought it was to what it became. And he had great success with what it became. Very sad to hear about the passing of Pee Wee Herman. Obviously, he dealt with that embarrassing, got caught, what, jerking off in a, in a theater in the sad portion of the behind the music of Pee Wee Herman phase, the, the, the part of the documentary that goes to black and white and it's got sad piano music underneath it. That, that certainly hurt his ability to be sold to the kids. I freaking love Pee Wee Herman. To you, Pee Wee, salute. Paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you've got a phone call at the front desk. <laughs> I don't I always remember that that from the very end where they overdub his voice in the movie. He gets his own cameo where he's playing the desk clerk. 
Paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you have a phone call at the front desk. Rest in peace, Pee-wee. Is it right to say to a daredevil to rest in peace? Because obviously um, they didn't want a lot of peace, which made them daredevils. I saw this this morning, a guy named Remy Lucidi. Uh, a daredevil has died daredeviling. And I guess, you know, if you got to go out, go out doing something you love. Uh, the man was known for free climbing skyscrapers. And what do you know? He passed away after he fell from the 68th, the 68th floor of a building in Hong Kong last week. Again, it's not funny, but... TMZ writes, the thrill-sinking Frenchman officially snuck up to the top floors of the residential high-rise, and uh, a guy who went by the name of Remy Enigma on his social media pages was climbing the tower when he somehow got stuck outside. Again, a lot of these towers got windows that you can't open. Um, per the post, he was last seen tapping on a window, pleading for help, and then he fell. Can you feel bad when a daredevil dies daredeviling? I would suggest that's the way they would have wanted to go. Not that they wanted to go, but when you flirt with death, don't be surprised when death reach overs and starts stroking your thigh at 11 a.m. or p.m. 11 a.m. is a little early for a thigh stroke. But remember, fellas, if she touches your thigh within inside of five minutes of meeting her, she's working. And that guy uh, goes out, I guess, the way he wants to. He's not the same guy who climbed the Salesforce Tower, by the way. I looked that up. I remember when a dude tried to free climb the Salesforce Tower. Uh, wasn't him. So there you go. That's where we're going to end today's podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, don't you go anywhere. We're about to start and enter Club Plus and hang out there for a little bit. But for those of you just listening, I thank you so very much for doing so. Please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.